You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. For some people, all it takes is a warm bath and a good meal. Alan Seiler. We're just supposed to sit here. (laughs) (laughs) And Veronica Daschle. Hi. And this is our 120th episode. Yeah. We made it. Right. In Star Trek terms, we'd be near the end of season five by now. (laughs) <laughs> as we'll see tonight <laughs> yeah well we have a little tradition on the show every 20 episodes we do the 20th episode and then the 40th episode and then the 60th episode and so on so we're up to the 120th episodes tonight so tonight we'll be talking about those but first do we have any news this week no how about Unless this there's some that you know about that i don't know about <laughs> well they just they just announced a new star trek game i just saw that oh right before we started uh, it's, oh, uh it okay. looks like it's going to be like a strategy game and they Ooh. they just had previously released a new star trek game so it seems like they're on fire with the star trek games all of a sudden nice yeah all right keith do we have some this week in trek this week yeah real quickly because we got a lot to talk about tonight um a couple of these are some milestones on the 4th of june 1974 Construction began on the shuttle called the Enterprise. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And for those who of a certain age who was around like I was, I remember. Yeah, right, Alan. We remember that was not the original name for the shuttle. But literally, there was a huge campaign by Star Trek fans to name the shuttle Enterprise because of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and NASA relented, and it started to continue what could be a history into the future of every <laughs> uh, significant vessel being named Enterprise. But the, the the crappy thing is that they probably would have called one of them Enterprise, but the fan yeah. write in like got the first one named. The first one is a non flying ship. <laughs> yeah, <True. laughs> right, yeah. they, they, they jumped the gun a little bit. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Let's wait until the first one that's actually going to go to space, and then they hit <laughs> Enterprise. Right, so, next time. You know, Next right. <laughs> and then, ironically, on the same day, eight years later, premiered what is considered by many, not me, but many, to be the greatest of all the Star Trek movies, and that is The Wrath of Khan. Awesome. Yeah, and if it ain't got whales in it, it ain't a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> Alan is correct. And and again, I say this so much, for those of us a certain age, it was so wild because you knew Ricardo Montalban, of course, as Khan from the original series, but by then he was most known as Mr. Rourke. The white suit wearing guy on Fantasy Island, and yeah. he had such a he has such a genteel attitude. And then he came back as Khan. Like, whoa, oh yeah, that's right, that dude can do that. <laughs> yeah, but the oh, yeah, big he surprise can. was ain't nobody knew he was built like a mf. <laughs> yeah, like right. I was like, dude, I didn't know you had yeah. all that package going on on you know that <laughs> island. Ooh. I saw I saw an interview with him, Alan, on, um, gosh, I think it was the Today Show on NBC, and a, a lady was interviewing him, and she said, blah, 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 and then she goes, ah, 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 was that really you? And she literally said it like that, talking about his chest, and he being Ricardo, he goes, ah, yes, that was me, and he was just so <laughs> cool. <laughs> of course he was, of course he was. Yeah, and two other quick things to honor, this one I thought was really cool, June 6, 1944. 
one more year, we're coming on the 80th anniversary of D-Day. Well, mm-hmm. I think we probably all know who is also associated from the Star Trek family with D-Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, really more than one person. But who I'm thinking about here is James Duhon, mm-hmm. um, Scotty, who was injured in the invasion of Normandy. Um, some people may notice you can quickly, you can tell sometimes he lost most of his right middle finger in the invasion of Normandy. He was also shot six times on that day. Wow. And lived to tell the tale. Yeah, Chris Duhan just posted a photo the other day of mm-hmm. um, uh, James Duhan and both of his sons going back to that beach uh, wow. on the anniversary. I don't wow. remember which, maybe the 30th anniversary. I don't remember which anniversary mm-hmm. it was. Um, you know what? I think it was around like the early 80s. So it must have been like the 40th anniversary. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I can't imagine going through that the one time and then going back to visit again. That must have been such a difficult thing mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. 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 And of course, you know, Jane Roddenberry was a pilot and, and we've talked about there's so many differences between the original series and everything that's come after, even the great ones like TNG. And that's because so many of those people did fight in war. You know, it wasn't just that they were Twilight Zone vets and science fiction vets. Mm-hmm. They wrote in a different way because they were part of that generation. They they mm-hmm. knew a different world than, than we right. even today. Yeah. Um, last thing. This is cool. 1967, 9th of June. You hear this, Matt Sweatman? The premiere, I was not the premiere, the first day of filming on what would become one of the most famous episodes of all time, a mock time. Okay. Loses his mind for Tupreme. <laughs> I thought this is going to be another Taste of Armageddon reference. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break if you're listening on the audio podcast and promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. But don't go away because when we get back, we'll be celebrating our 120th episode. So stay right there. What you going to do, brothers and sisters, when thousands of geeky fans descend on Atlanta for five days and nights of the grandest con of them all? You can prepare by training, eating your vitamins, saying your prayers, and checking out the Dragon Con Report each and every month leading up to the show. Watch or listen and let Dragon Con Mania run wild on you! First of all, let's just say 120 mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. That that's, is that's, amazing. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 a that's a good run for any show, much less ours. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you put up with me for that long. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the episodes we're talking about tonight are going to be Cost of Living, Children of Time, and Equinox Part One. Um, yeah, baby. And we, I mean, if you've not listened to our previous installments, I mean, we. We did the 20th episode, the 40th episode, the 60th episode, the 80th episode, the 100th episode. Um, and it's interesting to see how these shows develop over time as they go through the run. All right. Matt Putman <laughs> wants to know what we're going to do when we come. So so TNG, Voyager, and DS9 have 140th and 160th episodes. So he's mm-hmm. wanting to know what we will do when it comes to 180. Well, I don't know. We'll have to figure something out. Well, if, you know, if you've I'll, got suggestions over, for us, let us know. Right. Well, you know, there's over what seven, eight hundred, nine hundred episodes of Trek. If you combine all the franchises, we could just number them and grab one. Mm. Like, 
like 180 could be from, yeah. you know, whatever. And then 200 could be from something else. That way we could go to seven, 800, 900, never run out of shows. <laughs> right. Well, if anyone has listened to this show for 120 episodes, you know that we have not planned it yet. <laughs> we don't plan in advance that way. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about number 120? I was thinking at the time of the Federation in Star Trek, if you were 120 years old, you'd probably be getting close to retirement age. <laughs> right. So does yep. that mean we, we're all about to turn in our notice and <laughs> the show's going to be over in two weeks? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So let's get, let's kick it off with cost of living. H- has anyone watched this recently? No. I, no, I have not. Not probably. I think I saw it maybe three years ago. Wow. That's recent for me. Cause I don't think I've seen this since it came on. This is not one Let that me- I seek out. Let me just yeah. tell you how long it's been since I've seen this one. When we were when we were first talking about this, it's been over a month since we were like, you know, we have to work in the 120th and I first posted the list of mm-hmm. episodes. Right. Mm-hmm. This entire time, I watched these these three episodes 2 days ago. This entire time, I thought Cost of Living was the one where David Ogden Steers <laughs> kills himself. Right. But that's half a life. Right. Same so here. this whole time I was thinking, oh, God, I don't want to have to watch that dreary episode again. <laughs> so you know I was very pleasantly surprised to find that it was a fun episode. Right? Alan is so funny. I had the same thing because I was watching Voyager and there's two episodes of Voyager. One of them is called Night and the other oh, one's called yeah. The Void. Yep. And I keep getting those mixed up. And I thought, the well, same they're the thing same episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think there's one called Darkness, too. <laughs> Don't quote yes. me on that. That might be um, Enterprise. <laughs> but yeah, I thought this was a fun episode. I was kind of, I don't dislike Lawaxana Troy, but I don't love Lawaxana Troy. Mm-hmm. And so um, I actually enjoyed this episode. Veronica, had you yeah. seen this recently? Not, I mean, like when we watched it, yes, but it's not one I've seen in a while. I do know that I had seen it at some point before that. Oh, good. Yes. Okay. Well, that's good. I, I, mean, I, I remembered the ending okay. specifically. So uh, it may have been that I caught it on reruns yeah. <laughs> oh. in, in the early 90s. <laughs> right. So when you say the that's ending, when you say the I, ending. I'm talking about the wedding. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the very ending. I just realized that when uh, when Chuck introduces us and we all say a funny line from the show, I should have said, we're just supposed to sit here. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. So I'll say it now. So I'm going to say it and then you just edit it in okay. for the podcast. Okay. So what did you think of it, Veronica? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I really liked when they went into the holodeck with those like little weird characters. Mm-hmm. They, were, yeah. they were fun. It yeah. was very labyrinth-esque. Yes. Yes, it I was. see that. Yeah. Yeah. My thought that that planet's all like naked people and clowns. Yes. So I, I mean. <laughs> I'd have a great time. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm, I'm going to book my trip n- next week. <laughs> right. Naked like people. And... Yeah. I like what I like about this episode is it's one of those. It had a it had a really cool opening. I love the opening. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I commented on that when it started because mm-hmm. Frank and I. I don't mean to pick on Enterprise, but when we're watching an Enterprise episode, I'll often comment like, oh, that was exciting <laughs> because they have like the lamest <laughs> openings on episodes. But this one, I was like, hey, this is a this is a really good intro. Like there's oh, yeah. a pew pew and an asteroid and they're <laughs> flying around, you know? Yep. 
It's yeah. funny though because oh, when T and this happened a lot of times when TNG had a talky episode or a high concept episode, they would mm -hmm. do the cold open with pew pew and mm -hmm. setting it up <laughs> like it's going to be an action episode, but psych, be it really isn't. <laughs> right? It's funny you say that, Alan, because one note I did take. Y'all know I've commented before that I'm I sometimes miss when you don't have a B story. I just like an A story. Mm. This B story with the asteroid particles is literally like a different show it feels yeah. grafted on i mean it, it makes no sense and even when they're in danger there's a weird scene i'm jumping ahead a little bit but at one point the data says something like warp nine will take us five hours then they're like we can't go any faster than warp six and then picard says and that'll take us you know whatever and picard says well, well we probably won't be there or the ship will be dust by then and there's no reaction from Troy. There's no reaction from Alexander. There's no reaction from um, Laroxana's would-be husband. It literally felt like a different episode. So I agree with you, Al. When I first saw it, I thought, oh, exciting. Then, oh, no, it's not. That It's almost like they ran out of story. I would be okay if the entire show had just been Laroxana as an A story only. Yeah. I personally love Laroxana Troy. Mm -hmm. I have since the very first time she was on. And part of that is because... At the very beginning, TNG was really taking itself super damn seriously, <laughs> and it needed a kick up its own ass. And Waxana <laughs> came in and just shook that show up, and I have loved her ever since. Yeah, I like Waxana, but I mean, I wouldn't just go watch Waxana episodes. But I think, I mean, I think she's a perfect role for Major Barrett. I think that's the best role she's ever had. Hundred percent agree. She's fantastic as as Waxana Troy. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I don't think I've watched this again just because it's a Waxana and Alexander episode, and I don't care for Alexander much at all. No, it's just yeah. the kid's fault. It just wasn't a character that I liked, and yeah, too. I really just remember the mud bath. Uh, <laughs> but then, well, I mean, watching it again this week for the first time in however many years, I kept forgetting there was a sciency plot going on. I'm like, oh yeah, right. the ship's in danger, right? Which <laughs> made about no that. sense. Yeah, yeah and, and they literally Picard literally said, "I don't think we're going to make it," and then the next scene, they were there. It was really weird. Um, one thing about Lawson, I don't dislike her. You know, um, she sometimes honestly gets on my nerves because she's too over the top. When I like her best is what they did in this episode and what they did in the one you mentioned, Alan, and in the uh, episode Dark Page and in the yeah. episode uh, DS9, which is when she gets to do some dramatic acting, mm -hmm. you, you remember or you realize that all that's an act, that she is a very deep woman, a very yeah. insightful woman. She's been hurt. She's alone. You know, she's a widow. Um, and so the little scenes with Alexander, like the moment when she was kind of introspective and she was basically saying something to the effect of you make compromises. You know, I'm mm -hmm. lonely. I'm making compromises. I love when you mix that in with mm -hmm. when, she, when she's just clowning. She kind of sort of gets on my nerves. See, for me, it's the exact opposite, because after this episode, I get kind of tired of her because mm -hmm. every episode they did after this was hugely sad and morose mm -hmm. and depressing. And that just doesn't fit her. Mm. And you know, I mean, there, there were good episodes, especially the one about the, the daughter that Deanna never knew she had a sister. That's right. a powerful episode, but it just doesn't I've feel right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Poor thing. <laughs> But I like, I like, and there's no, you know, not to say that every character that's a fun character has to always be a fun character because that's, that lacks dimension. Right. But I feel like those, there was that stretch from this one to the end of TNG where she just wasn't fun. And I was mm -hmm. like, we need, we need fun locks on the back. Right. 
Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what do we think about Alexander? Nothing. He's he's written. And again, it's not the actor's fault. He's written as a whiny kid. Yeah, he really is. Um, yeah. And he. I just I just think that's, you know, they said many times in this true Star Trek for in the main until they got to something like DS9. They didn't know how to write for kids and they didn't know how to write couples very well. Mm. I think Alexander's example, they didn't know how to write him as a kid because he comes off as really whiny. Yeah. And it's not some this kids are really us. whiny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the other thing I did write, and it's all true, is you know, Worf is undeniably one of the most popular characters in all of track history. He is also undeniably one of the worst fathers in all of track history. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> worst That's true. Yeah. Well, at least by human standards. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Right. By Klingon standards, maybe he's a great dad. You know? Exactly. Well, except by Klingon standards, he wouldn't be taking his kid to the therapist. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know? Oh, so, no. He'd be, yeah, he'd have him killing something. Yeah. Which I thought, I mean, the whole therapist thing and the whole plan to, you know, have a, a contract between parent and child, that seemed to me pretty progressive for that era, yeah. at least in the part of the world where I lived. I, I can't imagine my dad sitting through that meeting and agreeing to do a contract with me that he's going to do certain things. It's like, right. how about if I beat the kid? I beat exactly. the kid and do what I say. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, th- one of the reasons that I love Loxana episodes as much as I do is because they're also Deanna episodes. And this is one of those rare situations where the the her part of the, the storyline relies on her profession. Yeah. And you yes. didn't get a lot of that with her. You know, she was always on the bridge for some dumb reason. I mean, doesn't she have office hours? There's a thousand people on this ship. Doesn't she have appointments with anybody? But she's always on the bridge. So we actually got to see her do her job and do it well. Mm -hmm. And she has to not only deal with Worf and the relationship with his son, but she has to worry about her mother who's kind of coming in and undermining what she's trying to do. And there's that double play there, that double parent and child thing. And I just thought it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, let me, let me get us a couple of comments because we got a few of them. Matt Sweatman says, uh, I felt like they had to tack on some sort of danger, even if it's not really what the episode was about. I mean, right. yeah, cause you have to strike a balance between the two and you have to give something for the people not involved in the Luwaxana plot line, something to do. So, yeah. Right. He also says Alexander doesn't have much depth. He's much, he's more to give some drama in having war fret about him not being a Klingon enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's almost like he's a foil for, for the Worf character and not a character in his own right. Mm -hmm. And it's it's funny. We said that Charles about parenting because, um, you know, my parents, rest their souls, old school, very good parents, but they were old school. And I consider myself being an extremely liberal guy, but even I, I'm sitting there going, if I had a kid, I ain't making no contract with no kid. You go in right. there and wash the dishes. That's kind of in the story. I'm not going to give my kid a reward for doing this job. You better get there and take that trash out. <laughs> uh, no way. I don't believe in that. Oh, right. That is and, and this is what, like 1991 to 92, somewhere in that yeah. range. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, pretty forward thinking for that time. It's 30 years yeah, ago. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm sorry, Elaine says the sciencey stuff felt like an afterthought. Oh yeah, it's a yes. sci-fi show. Must include science. This episode would have <laughs> been fine without it. Yeah, yeah. Or at least have the the A plot or B plot or whatever that involve the delegate guy. Yeah. Like he's a delegate from a planet. Surely you could have written some right. sort of thing for Picard right. with him, and right. so it ties together. So it's not a separate thing. The ship's in danger. We may not make it. 
and then we're, we're fooling around with clowns on the holodeck at the same time, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you, get, you guys are talking about how, you know, how Klingon, can you imagine if a real, if a bunch of Klingon warriors saw Worf begging his son to do something and do right. a contract? Boy, would they make fun of Worf. Well, I, but you, I think, <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say, that's what makes Worf so interesting to me is that, that mm-hmm. him having to walk both of those worlds. He right, wants yeah. to be one thing. He's in a situation where he has to be another thing. And that mm-hmm. inner conflict of his, I find yeah. so compelling. Yeah. I think they could have done a better job of it with Alexander yeah. though, which oh, I, I think it's a, it's a good idea to have a Klingon yes. warrior essentially, but half, I mean, half, a lot of his life he was raised on earth and now he's serving with humans and having to sort of parent in the way that a human would rather than using a pain stick or whatever to <laughs> discipline his child, you know? And, but I think that could have been more entertaining and interesting. I, yeah. Usually what happens though, in these Alexander episodes is I just like Worf less and I love Worf, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I kind of, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I did, did like, I did like she kept calling him Mr. Wolf. <laughs> yeah that's my like favorite that thing about her yeah yeah I, I, I forget which episode it is later but i remember reading this because someone else had noted this whenever there's a there's an episode a few episodes later on when lawson is back on the ship and she calls wharf mr woof and it's michael's daughter is such a great actor because he starts to correct her and then he doesn't and what you feel in the hit in the show is that he's like okay whatever he, he's, he gives right. up. He's yeah. just gonna call me this, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I like the storyline for her being an older, yeah. you know, widow mm-hmm. and feeling like she has to make some sacrifices for the security. I mean, I guess right. she's probably got f- financial security, whatever that means in the Federation. She's from a well-to-do family and everything, but yeah. just not wanting right. to be alone. Yeah. Um, but then, sort of coming to terms with the fact that she shouldn't have to sacrifice that part of herself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Matt chimes in with, I think Worf also doesn't want to dishonor Kalar in the way she had raised Alexander. Mm. No, we'll mention that then. I mean, I think that's a good insight, but I think that right. that, that could have been something that the writers developed on the show yeah. is him trying to live up to what Alexander's mother wanted, you know, and Alexander's yeah. mother gets mentioned, but I don't mm. know. I just feel like they didn't do a great job developing worse character through Alexander, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alan, you said something interesting. I agree with too. The one they showed Deanna doing her job as a counselor, because mm-hmm. to your point, I have never seen that she had a staff. She's on a ship of 1000, almost yeah. 100 people. My God. Um, <laughs> she would be busy all day long, every day. Cause I, cause this probably like medical exams. You probably have mandatory counseling, whether you think you need it or not. I'm sure you do. Yeah, that's but a good point. I, do, I never thought about that. Yeah, but what I like about the show, one reason I did like it better than some walks on the shows is she and Deanna weren't at each other's throats where they were kind of going over the top arguing. Deanna yeah. expressed some realistic concerns about her mother. She kind of noticed that something was going on with her mother. And then at the end, I love when her mom comes in naked, naked. <laughs> okay, I'm texting Nick, Nick, Nick. Okay, screw it, naked. Just, just go with it. Just say it your yeah. way. We all know what you mean. Yeah. But she comes in naked. The smile on Deanna's face is great. Mm -hmm. That's my mom, you know? Yeah. But, you know, earlier in the episode, when she first talks about her wedding gown and and Mm -hmm. Deanna turns around, she goes, mother, I can't believe that you're going to be that you're not going to be naked at your own wedding. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, That's a cultural value to them. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'll say that. For sure. <laughs> Elaine says, naked. 
<laughs> uh, speaking and, of, and I love this. Go ahead. I was going to say, Matt says, 23-year-old me was intrigued by Deanna in the mud. 52-year-old me is kind of digging Loxana coming to her own home. <laughs> <laughs> The evolution of a Trekkie. <laughs> also, I don't know if y'all noticed, but when, when the Loxana came in, she when she kind of smiled and did her head, her body kind of comes up a little bit and you could tell she had a top on. You could just see that she had, obviously she wasn't fully naked, but what I I love about it is I expected Worf to try to cover Alexander's eyes, but I think he's already been in the mud bath with her for like half the episode. Right. (laughs) Right. My train has sailed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Vandy Beth also says naked. I was pleasantly surprised with this episode because like you guys said, I hadn't seen it in years and I kind of sort of had a bad memory of it. And I'm sorry, Veronica, the only only part of the episode I can't stand is that little world, that little clown face dude gets on my nerves. So did that juggler. Uh, His his facial features look like Odo. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Why don't you like fun? I am coming off as kind of grimdark, aren't I? I'm like, yeah, I like it when people get killed just like that. Oh, I bet you wouldn't get in the mud bath with the rest of them, would you? I just sit here. here. And the higher, the fewer, I still don't understand that. You know. No, that doesn't make any sense. It's a cute line. (laughs) Yeah. No, I liked in this episode that it was Loxana coming on, but it wasn't about Troy's love life or lack of Mm -hmm. one or anything like Usually that's the the impetus when right. the mother's there she wants to set her up with somebody or why aren't you getting married or something to do with Riker and this it was right. nothing to do with any of that it was her job and her friend you know I will yeah. say, I will say my favorite Waxana episode is Menaja Troy okay this That's one is one. might be my second favorite okay awesome yeah 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 I had a good time with this one okay any closing thoughts on it before we move on it was fun and I enjoyed it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nothing serious, right. but it was fun. Um, Elaine says that she was also thinking Odo, but didn't really, but didn't even know Odo yet. Well, okay. you're in luck because now we're talking about children of time and there's, <laughs> it's a great Odo episode. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> yes. I love this one. Yeah. Oh man. I hadn't seen this in a long time. Like really? I'm sure I have not seen it all the time. I'm sure I haven't oh, seen do. it since it originally aired. Like this might be the second time I've ever watched it. Wow. Yeah. Right. We right. we usually have DS9 on when we go to bed, and this has been in the rotation for some reason, like five times in the past two months. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we just watch this all the time now. But really? like, this is a great episode. I, it really is. They did a great job of setting up a cool sci-fi story that with real stakes for the characters and a real dilemma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all these people are not going to exist. But then you get the the fun things about the sort of time loop aspect that you've got Dax there, yeah. you know, right. like it's, it's, it is Dax, you yeah. know, and yes. then you turns out you got Odo there, too. Yeah. 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 If you got Dax, you got Odo. I thought that was interesting. When they were first setting up the thing, I had kind of sort of forgotten about the, the original plot was that they thought they were what well, he claimed they were going to make a duplicates of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I wrote in my notes, even had that been the truth. Would you have the right to duplicate yourself? Because remember, you don't know you're a duplicate. So even though you go away, you were stranded. Do you have the right? You know, would you should you do that to yourself, to another person, strand another person? There's a there's a whole thought there as well. I thought, would I do that to another mm. me? 
I think yeah. my opinion depends on which me I end up. <laughs> Either it's like, you know what? I'll be fine. Or like, curse me. I can't believe I did this to myself. So, right. so if you want to really get into that, read the uh-huh. Bobaverse books by Dennis E. Taylor. It, Those are good books. They're really good yeah. books and really good audio books. Mm-hmm. And there's mm. duplication and there's an exact scene where they're like, oh, crap i'm the copy <laughs> right <laughs> oh yeah 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 that could that could kind of suck mm-hmm. um some of the best acting i've ever seen in ds9 especially from renea bergenlaw just the, yes. the emotions on his face mm-hmm. um from the start when um kira talks about how she and um is it barile barile was the second mm-hmm. one yeah, yeah. barile had broken up that look on his face yeah. that look yeah. of kind of devastation and sadness like what do i do now was just powerful he does some great acting yeah and the the subtle changes they made to his makeup were really effective with the curlier hair the more human expression sort of reddish like he's like he's been on this planet all this time he's become more he has the appearance of looking more human than he he has he has evolved over time right yeah yeah I got a couple of really good comments. Vandy Beth says children of time is one of DS nine's best episodes, but it does continue the franchise's inconsistent approach to time travel stories. Sure. Yeah. And Matt says like strange new worlds lift us where suffering cannot reach. This one really was courageous in not going for a happy ending. Mm -hmm. Yes. It goes for a very conflicted ending. Yeah. I love that. I love it. And it's, it's interesting to me that, I mean, after however many centuries on this planet, it's Dax who's conspiring to strand the crew there, like betraying at that point, his crewmates, you know, yeah, for the I good of this colony that he's been living with mm-hmm. for all right. this time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought, I thought that was interesting too. And I thought it was, um, I thought it was interesting that when that, when, um, was it Jurgen Dax was talking about, um, what had happened, Jadzia, the look on her face, you know, the guilt, mm. because like they said, best case, Kira's going to die. Right. And that's a tough one. Uh, Kira sure. in her own grave was wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was, that was a powerful scene. And, and Odo having, you know, lived without her all this time and regretted mm-hmm. never having told her how he felt. Yeah. And now he's got the chance and just comes rushing in. God, and I love that he's just like I don't expect anything in return. I just got to tell you, yeah, <laughs> you know? right, I, and, right. And this this episode has one of my favorite scenes for Star Trek that was written but cut before they filmed. And I tried to find the exact wording so I could read it, but I couldn't. But essentially, mm-hmm. it's when when Odo's talking to Kira and says mm-hmm. that you know he lived for a, like a century as a tree, and then he lived as a cloud, oh, and yeah. it's just a really oh. great view of Odo as a shapeshifter, just. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, not just living as a person all this time, but just sort of going off on his own and just being a tree for like a hundred yeah. years. You know, I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. For some reason I knew that, but I must not have seen well, that. No, I didn't make it up. It's out there. I'm yeah, sure you read it. That. <laughs> yeah, It's so familiar. It's so weird. But you know, she said almost, if I hadn't watched the episode today and you told me that I would have remembered it as being in the episode. Right. But yeah. you're right. It wasn't. What yeah. would have been really interesting had we got that included in the broadcast episode, if he talks about living for a century as a cloud, it's what following season when the, the head shapeshifter comes to the, sh- the station and starts to tell Odo the things that can happen. Like, mm. you know, you can be a cloud and he has never right. thought about being a cloud before. And it's mm-hmm. almost like um, that would have set up 
you know, because mm-hmm. our Odo isn't hearing the future Odo saying that stuff. Right. So obviously he right. learned that stuff on his own. Somehow he came to that knowledge. And I think that's, that's a really cool kind of cyclical thing there. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I thought one thing I thought was kind of curious, you know, um, DS9 is obviously the only Star Trek series that has dealt with religion in any, frankly, in any real way, deep way to acknowledge religion. I thought it was interesting about how Kira says that she and Baral went to the temple and basically asked the prophets they were good, right for each other, and they were told yep. no. Yep. Uh, you know, I was raised a Christian. My dad was a preacher and stuff like that. But I, you know, but I mean, people pray for guidance from God all the time. But I was kind of like Dax, like, and you basically took what they said. Well, of course, they're the prophets. Wow, that's faith. Yeah. Well, you know that that reminds me of a a couple of people that I knew many years ago back in Florida, and this Mm -hmm. this new guy moved into town and started hanging around with us and was like. Uh, came to my one of my women friends and said that God had told him that they were going to be together and and spend their life together. And she was like, "Well, God did not tell me that." <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? That is such a creeper move. That's not going to work. <laughs> no. <laughs> Elaine says that this episode reminded her of the Enterprise episode E squared, where they met their descendants from an alternate timeline. But she thinks yeah. that DS9 did it better. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, that's that's true. Because they were copying DS9. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like, they were like, hey, you know what worked really DS9 well on this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and I, I go ahead. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm rolling on. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was gonna say I really like it when these stories when they'll they'll take O'Brien, who's like an everyman. And mm-hmm. he gets in these sci-fi situations, and you see how it affects him. They did the same kind of thing in Rascals when, yeah. oh, it's funny. Everybody's 12 years old, but it's not funny when your wife's 12 years old. You know what I mean? Right. And the same kind yeah. of thing here where he's like, I got a family back home. And they're yeah. like, oh, you got remarried. And he's like, I don't like it took 10 years. You lasted. But, you you know, you finally you gave in. And he just did not like that idea whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And he was I, I, super uncomfortable with all the mollies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what was up with all the mollies? I, 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 I guess, I guess they they couldn't they didn't have time to show him with the lady, and I don't think you really need to have injected humor into this show. But right. I kind of wonder how he was acting around that that other engineer that he ended up marrying. Once he <laughs> he went probably back. avoided her. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that that change of attitude in him was was, I mean, he was adamant about. You know, we can we can theorize about what action to take all we want, but I have a wife and kids back on the station that I want to get home to. Mm-hmm. And even he swung around to we can't do this. We yeah. cannot eliminate all these people. Right. Yeah. He, I I just, that was I it. Was I, I don't go ahead. You don't buy it. No, 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 no. It's not that I don't buy it. I, I don't. I mean, I, I see it as being part of his character. I see it as being that that Starfleet mentality. You know what I mean? But yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe he came to it too easily, too quickly. I don't know. I mean, they had to do it within 45 minutes, obviously. Right. But right. I don't know. I mean, I, it was just it was a good moment for him. Mm-hmm. But still, can you imagine making no. that choice? I, I actually cannot. It's, and I and I think, yeah. um, Alan, I think, uh, dovetailing on what you were saying, Alan, I think this is one of those sometimes many episodes where if they had simply injected more time 
Yeah. Maybe it took them a month to get off the planet instead of a couple of days. You could feel them because what they tried to do, the the emotional connection they tried to make was these people who were knowing they were about to die, still doing this beautiful thing of planting together. And I think that you're supposed to believe that melted everybody's hearts, including more. But I agree with you, it was so quick because to me, I thought that was a powerful scene. But honestly, what kept getting me and in my heart was that Kira was going to die. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I could have let that override my feelings for Kira, even for those yeah. eight thousand people. Okay. You know, um, right? Um, you know the 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 the, the str- I think one of the strengths about uh, producing content for streaming platforms is that you can make an episode as long as you need to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An episode can be thirty-five minutes, and we saw that in uh, either season one or two of Picard. One of them was like. 35 37 minutes and then you have other ones like some discovery episodes that are an hour and 10 it's whatever you need the the episode to be to tell the story that you need to tell whereas in the old days when you had that hard and fast 45 minute constraint you had to tell a story that fit into that framework and you had to make the story fit you had to Mm -hmm. you know you couldn't let the story breathe in a natural way right all right, let me get three comments. Fandy Beth says, Enterprise episodes are always the worst of any given type of Star Trek episode <laughs> because Enterprise episodes are what you get when you order a Star Trek from Wish. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, I can't even respond, Fandy Beth, because I can't too long. <laughs> I adore Enterprise, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, just you wait until we get to the Voyager episode we're going to talk, talk about tonight. Um, Matt says Worf got to shape some future Klingons. These were more evolved from his ideal of Klingon ethos and not that much like most Klingons in the galaxy at large. I really, I would have liked to have seen that explored more. Yeah. yeah. Me I was too. really intrigued by these, these Klingons that sort of kind of look like Klingons and don't look exactly like each other because they're generations down the road. Mm-hmm. And, and some of them aren't have, even like partially cl- uh, or like yeah. joined later. Right. And the way that they had sort of like incorporated teachings that had been passed down by generations, I thought it was really fascinating. And I would really like to have seen more of that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I actually wrote in my notes that the Klingons could have come off as kind of cheesy, and they did not. They worked. Yeah. Yeah, They worked. Yeah. Yeah. And they're better Klingons than the regular Klingons because they're based on Worf. (laughs) (laughs) The regular Klingons are not very great at being Klingons. This is true. And I thought their leader had a gravitas about him where I mm-hmm. would have loved seeing him mm-hmm. come back to the Klingon. Yeah. And I even bought it when they, I love it when they said, kill us, Worf, to sit here and wait to fade away. When yeah. My parents yeah. are never born. That's not a warrior's death. Right. Uh, yeah. I love, love that. But yeah. then when it comes down to that last day and they're out in the field and they're like, well, we'll never get all this done. And then like every good Star Trek episode, the Klingons swoop in like the cavalry. And they're <laughs> like, well, we're not farmers. We're not doing this. We are here to fight enemies. And Worf says, their enemy is time. That was, <laughs> I was like, dude. Yeah. Dude, you can make you can make any situation klingon if you just say it the right way. <laughs> right. <laughs> all um, right. Matt says. Oh, continuation, I think. And it wouldn't have just been Kira's sacrifice. The rest had lives and families to return to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cisco and Jake. Yeah. Well, um, one thing that I think what Matt is saying. Of course, I, maybe he just wants to get away from Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Matt made a good point, And it's actually the point that O'Brien made earlier. And this is the point that I had written down, which is, okay, you have 8,000 people on this planet. 
you have, I don't know, 8 billion, no, 80 billion, 80 billion, 8 trillion, who knows how many in the galaxy. Those people are, of course, people die in war, but these people are critical to the war. And what about the potential millions of inhabitants, that, uh, descendants that they have, hundreds of thousands over the years? It's almost like a Tuvix thing. Um, me personally, as tough as it was for the 8,000 people, I'd be thinking about the future of the Gamma Quadrant, the future of the war, and the people I already had. Well, again, what you were saying earlier, well, Alan, O'Brien literally said, I don't know these people. I right. know my family back home. Right. Um, that's kind of where I stayed. And I think I would have left, and I, I hate to say this, I personally, I question, but I think I was going to ask this at the end. I think I would have gone back as much as it would have killed me. I think I would have mm. gone back because you can also argue that there's generations yet unborn in your other life. Well, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's what somebody said. And they're like, I don't know those people yet. Um, but mm. keep in mind that at this point in the series, there has been no formal declaration of war yet. Mm. That yeah, doesn't come true. until the end of season five and the beginning of season six. And we are not right. quite to that point yet. I mean, right. you can tell that it's heading that way. But right. it, it, there ha there isn't a war effort yet that these people are integral to. So I don't know yeah. that you can factor that into it. Well, you're well, right. You couldn't in that case. This really does, not you say that, feel like a story of wartime, even though, like you say, technically it's not wartime yet. And this is mm -hmm. sort of separate from the Dominion storyline. But it's, you know, to accomplish our mission, to get back home, yeah. we have to let this town die. And them having to come to the decision that they're not willing to do that. And I think it's yeah. very Star Trekky, and it ties in nicely with the themes of DS9, I think. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. totally agree. Matt says, so, does it always have to come back to Tuvix? Yes. yes. <laughs> of course it does. I mean, the, yeah. Yeah, you got to decide which one you do. So and, what would y'all have done? Oh, I was going to say, Wayne says, nothing to say yet, but hey, y'all. Hey, hey Wayne. what's up, Wayne? What's up, what's up Wayne? <laughs> what would I have done? I would have let Tuvix live because I've, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's like these people were created out of a time anomaly. Yeah, I'm not mm -hmm. obligated to fulfill the time anomaly. It hasn't. It's my future. I, you know what I mean, it's like it's like right. it's it's like going to the future, and then going back and making different choices. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Except for the right. it's the past. If yeah. they right. had stayed on the ship and they had not gone down to the planet and they had not got to know any of those people, they would not have made that same decision. Yeah, right. They would have done whatever they could to get back to the station, get back to their families. And it's just circumstances that dictated, sort of dictated what decision they made. That'd be kind of a funny lower decks bit where they arrive at a planet like we're your descendants and like oh let's get out of here right. <laughs> <laughs> and never That's beat them. Awesome. <laughs> oh, gotta be going, y'all. Take care. <laughs> right. But at the end of the day, I blame Cisco for letting Dax convince him because you think about this. They already said they were tired and ready to get back home, and Dax goes, "Hey, there's this really weird planet with this really weird quantum anomaly." He says, "Is it safe?" Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think I can jury rig something. I would have been like similar on class one pros right. and keep on going. <laughs> right. Basically. <laughs> Bandy Beth says, if the Kelvin universe exists, then the children in time averse also exists somewhere. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 
And yeah. Elaine says, my thought was that the folks on the planet wouldn't know any different once the crew made it through the barrier. Exactly right. The timeline changed and they don't exist anymore. And it's not like you're killing them. That's what the episode keeps going to is we can't kill these people. You're not killing them. You're yeah. setting the timeline the way it should have gone. And these people mm -hmm. simply, I mean, they're not going to know that they used to exist because they don't exist. <laughs> right. right. Dead people don't know either that they used to be alive because they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> of course, nowadays with the whole new quantum, you know, quantum mechanics interpretation of time travel, this would have been yeah. considered an alternate reality. Uh, one real quick final thing for me on this. I, I, I had this really weird thing. I was watching the episode and when Kira was uh, being examined by Dr. Bashir, and he was talking about how we got to get you back to Earth, blah, 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 and, and heal you. And he, he kind of made a joke with her. I thought, man, they really are kind of there was there was something there was something going on there. Like there was there was affection. And I looked it up and I thought, OK, when did they actually get married? Because they were married for four years. Oh. And then I visited Alexander City. <laughs> they got married one month after this episode aired. <laughs> so and I was just looking at like, man, they're really acting like they're flirting, not like they're just joking <laughs> like comrades. It turns out that's because they were. So they're really selling this. <laughs> <laughs> no, basically, okay. it's yeah. like Julian just takes advantage of any chick that's in the sick bay yeah. injured because they otherwise they just get away from him. Yes. Like, I've got you now. <laughs> well, he was a little Julian, and he was kind of like, evidently, I'm a legend on this planet. And I have right. there's a whole bunch of machines running around. Like, well, yeah, there's a little bit of that Julian still. Yeah, that's there you go. Old school Julian. <laughs> okay. Well, All let's right. move on then to Equinox. Now, we did a whole episode one time about the Equinox two-parter. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so everybody any, go listen to that. Right. We examined it top to bottom. One, one thing that struck me this time, I don't know that I mentioned last time or that even occurred to me last time, was that, you know, it's it's sort of Voyager kind of takes the easy way out, letting Janeway be the superior officer. You know, ba Battlestar Galactica right. did a similar sort of thing a few years later where Admiral Kane outranked Adama. You finally right. meet you're finally joining the the fleet again and mm -hmm. yeah but you don't agree with the orders right but in this yeah. situation i wonder just how much more interesting it might have been if janeway had been subordinate to ransom yeah. and yeah then she had to make the decision of oh, hey. i can't i can't follow this guy's orders wait, 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 she's a new captain and he's been a captain for years before well, i don't this. know that she was a new captain no but... she was this was her first ship okay yeah yeah, yeah it was the first it was the first yeah, yeah it was first captaincy right but she it's like five seasons in though she's been a captain for like five years at this yeah point, you know right but, but he was a captain when before she was right okay so yeah yeah but she then also, it, it sort of introduces the conflict of like we're so happy to finally have the fleet again or have a, some sort of semblance of starfleet again uh -oh. yeah, right. but then there's some conflict for the crew as well of like no like we have finally have a superior officer and janeway's going rogue and trying to strand us in the delta quadrant again see you know that that would have been the interesting point because mm -hmm. there has you know the, in the first season or two they did do that with seska and a little right. bit with blt even though she wasn't called that at the time about right. them disagreeing with janeway's insistence on sort of staying and exploring and not taking every action you can take to get back home and that would have been a not a really good angle in this story to sort of renew that distrust, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that disagreement. Maybe there could have been at least one, if not a couple of uh, Voyager personnel who might want to go and be with Ransom's crew because right. we got we, we're tired of this nonsense. We want to go home. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see some of the marquee because you can't you cannot assume that yeah. all of the marquee were basically upstanding citizens like. Oh wait, were there marquee on the ship? Because they haven't mentioned it in <laughs> in five damn seasons. No right. So yeah. I mean, that they was an interesting yeah, thing at the very beginning, and then they just forgot all about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I thought it was funny to see what's his name, Titus Welliver, who who now is famous as Bosch, mm-hmm. and you see some of that kind of, for lack of a better word, this kind of there's a. There's almost brutality in him, and you definitely see it in the second episode. You you see why that actor became Bosch, but just there's a way he acts that is interesting. And I thought it was very interesting when Janeway immediately goes to, hey, I noticed that you let your crew call you by your first name. And mm-hmm. I found myself agreeing with Janeway because yeah. there's something they say all the time. Even Chakotay has said this. We're not in Federation space. Do Federation and Starfleet rules apply? Well, mm-hmm. you know, morality and ethics are supposed to apply wherever you are. Yep. Right. Just because just, you know, you're not near a star base doesn't mean you give up. And I love it when she said, if we do this, we stop being humans. And I think, even though, like you guys said, we just reviewed this, I was horrified when I heard Ransom said, I only have to kill 63 more of them. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus right. Christ. How many has he killed so far? Yeah. Boy. And- and you mentioned the first name thing. I think that's a really, cause you get so used to by this point of the hierarchies on star Trek mm-hmm. that, you know, just, just hear people call and, and I mean, it's different when it's like Spock calling Kirk Jim, you know what right. I mean? Then it was, if, if, if Chekhov was like, Hey Jim, and you'd be like, ah, something's wrong with Chekhov. Like something evil is <laughs> going on, you know, but, but, it, but he also <laughs> never called Jim, Jim in an official capacity. They weren't right. on the bridge doing their job. They were always like right. in the break room or the ready room or whatever. Right. And th- right. that's when he would say Jim. Yeah. All and right. it's, it's, I thought that was a very effective way to, it's unnerving, it, but also it just feels weird. Yeah. And it just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good indicator that something's up with this crew before right. you really find out what's up with the crew. Yeah. Right. A- absolutely. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought the two actors, the, um, and I'm blanking on their names already. Um, the, the black man and the, and the blonde lady. Okay. Um, I thought they did really good subtle acting. Mm. Uh, you can tell, like like Rudy and his first in command, they don't seem to be as morally broken yet as the others. But those two, you can tell they're struggling. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, you know, because when the because he said he actually said later on when they were discussing basically betraying Janeway, he said, "Why don't we just go ahead and join their crew and try to forget whatever what happened here?" And that's when the captain says, "Oh, a warm bath and a nice meal. I guess that's all it takes for some people." Which I find very interesting because he is literally saying, "All it takes for you to betray your crew, which is committing murder, is a right. warm bath and a meal." Like, right. You know, yes, that's the kind of stuff is. that happens. You know, that's <laughs> the kind of stuff that happens sometimes with certain groups like the police and stuff, where loyalty to the fraternity takes mm-hmm. over loyalty to the people and your mm-hmm. principles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I absolutely. thought that was good. So yeah. the guy you're talking about is Rick Worthy, and he's done a number yeah. of Star Treks and Battlestar yeah. Galactica. And and that's true in Battlestar. He yeah, was actually on Stargate SG One as well. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Maybe that's why he was so good. They felt he felt natural in the role. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I wish I could have seen. And I'm jumping ahead, but this is one of those that appears on like when people talk about this on Facebook. This is one of those what the heck happened to them um, things later on because we all know at the end a few people survive, but we never saw those folks again. Right. And right. I would love to see that. Um, so I thought that was good. And I thought it was interesting when Chakotay was coming with the lady and she basically said that thing, which is you don't think about it. She tried to focus on her work and think about the the science and not the deaths. That they were yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought she was really good though. Um, yeah. And I, I like that scene in the turbo lift, even though like the turbo lift, if it was making that noise, I'd get out too. I don't yeah. blame her. Like the turbo lift never sounds yes. like that. <laughs> no. Why is the turbo lift screaming? <laughs> it has never sounded like that in 50 years of Star Trek. And then all of a sudden, yeah. when, the, when that lady shows up. Like, like when Picard and Data were in the turbo lift and I had to like get off real quick, it wasn't as scary as when she was on the turbo lift when it was making a strange sound. Right. <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. That, that was good. I noted that too. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. It's just the gravity reading. You know, it does know? that. Like, when? <laughs> My buddy, yeah. Ed Degree, who rarely watches our little live things or doesn't comment, uh, also agrees that that was un- unnerving. So, oh. hi, Ed. How are you? Hey, yeah, well, well, up, Ed? welcome, Ed. We're glad to have you. Okay. Well, we're about eight minutes out. Anybody have any closing thoughts about Equinox? I think I find it interesting that the star of that of the guest star of that episode is John Savage, who mm-hmm. is famous for the Deer Hunter, right? Among other mm-hmm. things, and the Deer Hunter is all about Vietnam veterans who come back and who can't who can't function in the real world. Oh yeah, because, yeah. Because why? Because they've done things that they can't live with. Mm-hmm. And That's here he's a, a guy. That's yeah. a very interesting observation. Mm. Yeah, I he, never he, thought of that. Yeah, and he's such a good actor. He's a, he's a, he's to this day he's a really well renowned um, you know movie and theater actor, and he has a really low key performance that in, a, in mm-hmm. I think lesser hands wouldn't work, but it works for him. Um, I also find it interesting. This is something else I found interesting because I wonder if he would have gotten in trouble with Starfleet for this. He said they encountered a race who told him he was in their space. And he was like, I, I went through it anyway. And he lost right. half his crew. Just mm-hmm. like he lost half his crew because of an action he took. So yeah. they're doing all this stuff because they have been beat down so bad and their ship is in such bad shape and they haven't had food in two months and they haven't had a shower in what, however long. But right. it was his initial action that started this whole chain of events. Mm-hmm. Right. That put yeah. the crew in the situation that they are trying to get out of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they all sort of have fallen into the trap of, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Like yeah. everything that we've already done is for naught if we don't just stay the course and keep doing right. it. You right. You know? Okay. And what the hell's going to happen when they get back to the Federation? You think that Voyager was tough on you? For for God's sake, when you get back to the Federation, (laughs) you don't think you're going to get put in jail forever? Yeah. What What are you trying to accomplish here? Yeah. Unless unless he assumed that he said at this point they were 35,000 light years from home. So for Voyager, it would have been 35 more years. I don't know what the heck he was expecting. That Voyager was 35 years away, maybe get destroyed on the way home. Because I agree with you, Alan. That's some man. They're they're committing mass murder. They violate yeah. the prime directive. Oh my God! Yeah, they're they're locked up forever. That's just kind right. of the story, <laughs> right? Um, Wayne says, don't forget that John Savage was in James Cameron's Dark Angel. Okay. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, I never saw that. Should I go and watch that? Yeah. It's okay. Okay. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I ain't I got time to watch it anyway. So yeah. <laughs> I don't love. I Jessica got too Alba. much other stuff. Yeah. Oh man. Well, those he's, were he's three good, good episodes. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't that interested in watching the TNG that I thought we were going to be watching. I didn't have mm-hmm. any interest in watching that again. And the DS9 one, I didn't remember being nearly as good as it is. It's so good. So, good. so yeah. I was. I really enjoyed this rewatch. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, same good. here. 
Yeah. Same here. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I did not expect to like it. And I've seen it a billion times that DS9, I mean, that uh, both of those episodes, the DS9 and the TNG, but they both had greater impact on me. I don't know if because mm-hmm. I've gotten older, you know, they, you know, people talk about you watch Star Trek enough stuff that you didn't care for when you were younger, you start appreciating it more. <clears throat> they, yeah. they all, they resonated with me, all of them. Yeah. Now, I just hey, want to say, quick, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. One quick thing I want to say real quick about this episode. One scene I absolutely love or loved is when Janeway came after the captain. He said, please, Captain, show my crew leniency. And here yep. we go, that famous line, they were only following orders. Yep. And Janeway <laughs> said with a coldness that only she could have, their mistake. Yeah, yeah I love that I line. Love I love that. <laughs> yeah. Loved it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want right. to say that if 20 episodes from now, 20 of our shows from now, when we talk about mm-hmm. the 140th episodes, I get mm-hmm. to talk about one of my absolute favorite episodes in the entire franchise. Awesome. I'm so excited. Body and soul? <laughs> don't, don't, be, don't be trying to wind me up like that, Buster. <laughs> All right. Well, next week, though, we're going to be talking about the season two premiere of Strange New Worlds. Yes. Oh, it's so upon us. excited. It's yep. here. Yep. Cannot wait. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, need, I meant to make you guys a promise, and I don't know if I can live up to this. <laughs> I am going to try really hard. Not to cr- criticize and keep belly aching about the existence of a descendant of Khan. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to complain about the Gorn. Thank you. I can't promise I'm that. Gonna, I'm gonna try not to complain about Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's hard because he doesn't even know how to use a turnstile door. Uh, I I'm gonna try, but I don't I think know we're, if I'm gonna last. <laughs> we should make it a drinking game, and we'll all just be hammered by the end. Yes, let's do <laughs> it. <laughs> Yes. I think that would be fun. Everyone would take a drink. Which, every every time um, Keith reacts to Kirk on the screen. Yeah, or every time I mean, he complains I'm... about the science not being good. Oh, yeah. we won't make I, it. We'll never make I'm it. To steal myself. Have to turn it off for us. I try to steal myself for that. Right. <laughs> oh, it looks like it's going to be fun. Uh, so yeah, probably yeah. next week we'll devote the whole episode to talking about the premiere of Strange New Worlds. But oh, 100%. I mean, send us in some questions of the week if you've got them. Uh, we need yeah. some new, fresh fresh questions of the week. And that way, if we, we run short on the topic, then we've got a question of the week we can we can pull out. Um, you can either send them to us on Facebook. You can send them to us on Twitter. You can email them to us at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. Or you can call the Earth Station Trek hotline yes. at 307-387-1701. And you hear a cute little message from Veronica. Nobody will answer. And you can leave your message and we can play it on the show and have your question of the week with your own voice on the show. And then we can respond to it. Yes, please do that. We mm-hmm. want to include your voice yeah. on our show. How much yeah, fun yes. would that be? How long yeah. have we had this phone line and not one person has called? Somebody, yeah. please call. One, one person called. <laughs> it was you, me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it worked out so well. Yeah, it's, it was nice. So It was super cool. And now if you happen to be outside of the United States, then there may be like international calling rates or anything. So if you ever wanted to just record yourself as an MP3 and email it to us at gmail.com, we can take that too. Just keep it concise. We don't need a half hour on the topic. Just, you know, <laughs> get this your question of the week. Or if you have a, an opinion or something you want to get out there, send it to us. We'd love to play on the show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Key, uh, Alan, where can people find more of you? 
Um, I have another podcast called Modern Musicology, and we are currently recording episodes, a two-parter about the music of 1983. So all the things that have 40th anniversaries this year, and there is a lot. 83 was a huge year for music. That's why we had to do two episodes on it. And then I've got another uh, podcast called Doctor Who A to Z. And we just recorded last night a new episode reviewing the final episode of Jodie Whittaker's first season. And that'll be out tomorrow morning. So go look for that. Quick question, Alan. 83, a good year for music. Was 84 considered the excellent year for music or was that the year for movies? 84 was considered such an awesome year. I mean, 82 through 85 was huge for entertainment. Yeah, because Prince was around there with Purple Rain and all kinds of stuff was going right. on. So, right. Yeah, I remember that. That, is, that sounds like a good one. Oh, can't right. wait till we get to 84. That's when Star Trek 3 came out. So there you go. <laughs> all right. How about you, Keith? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. And uh, so coming out in a few weeks, I just recorded a podcast with the 42 cast, and we talked about. Film critics, are they needed still? No okay. oh, cool. Awesome. That's an interesting topic. Yeah, I'll yeah. check that out. All right, how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. Yep, and if you happen to be in the Knoxville area this weekend, we'll be at Frank and Con performing a family-friendly monster show. And then the following weekend, the 17th, we'll, we'll be here at the, San, the Sandy Springs Library in the Atlanta area doing a show uh, at the Sandy Springs Library, also family-friendly. And then next month, on July 22nd, we have a not-family-friendly show we're going to be in, the Sinful Variety Show, which is burlesque, drag, and we bring the puppets, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So come out and see Felt Nerdy, and then where else can they find us, Veronica? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. That's right, and we just released an episode interviewing the monkeys touring bassist, John Billings. uh, Which is great. He's performed with Donna Summers, or Donna Summer. Thank you. I know, I caught myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and um Winona Judd and Rick Springfield in addition wow. to Mickey Dolans and the Monkeys. I mean he's got a lot of great stories. He's been doing this for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And then our, up next we have an interview with Amin Zarukian who is the guitarist for uh, the Monkeys touring band. So uh these guys have great stories. They're a lot of fun to talk to and they've been great to come on the show. We've got a series of these coming out. So check out monkeyingaround.com for that. You know, um based on what you said, it's always interesting to me that if you don't know a lot about music, you find out that some of the most famous and incredible people and stories are all the people you you don't know about the drummers, mm-hmm. the bassists. The, yeah, the, it's like there's a documentary called 20 Feet from Stardom about the women. Oh my god, I love that film so much! Yeah, yeah. And when you guys say all this stuff, it's like there's all these people who have these stories. It's not just Mick Jagger, it's all the people who are with him, right? Yeah. All these great stories to be held. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm gonna listen that's, to that. That's why when I was emailing the Paramount people about us getting mm-hmm. possible guests to interview, I was like. You can send us someone from craft services, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that because Seriously. I'm sure those people have some stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. All right, Frank, could you have a closing for us this week? BLT. Hey, that's good. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon 
or by shopping at the Tea Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.